there seems to be a new buzzword in the podcasting space. I am hearing it more often than not. That term is multi-passionate. Multi-passionate is a term that defines you if there's so many things that you want to put out into the world, yet sometimes don't find enough time to do it. Sometimes people ask you if you know what you want out of life. When the answer is you want so much out of life, you don't know what to hone in on. Or if you are being told to niche down and you don't want to niche down too. I've definitely had that experience. When you listen to the show, you know that many of my guests, that most of you listeners and myself included, are multi-passionate people. We have so many things that we're passionate about that sometimes it often drains our energy. On this show, I'm going to talk about the traits of being multi-passionate, the struggles that we face, and working through them so we can get accomplished the things that we want to accomplish. So I hope you enjoy. And also, if you really enjoy this episode, please leave me a review. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy the show. listening to For Better Self and Net Worth. In this community, we think you'll find your self-worth comes before your net worth and everything else. We also think you were designed to go after the life you want by ditching societal norms, knowing exactly who you are as an individual, and going after your unique purpose here on this earth. Every week, Ella interviews an entrepreneur that designed the life they wanted among the challenges, naysayers, and leaving outside their comfort zone. Or you're going to hear straight from Ella, where she talks about the important lessons she's learned in life and how she's achieved the overall happiness she has. This is Ella, the host for Better Self and Net Worth. Based out of Nashville, Tennessee, she makes every single day an adventure. You'll always find her right here behind the microphone, sharing all her thoughts with all of you. And we appreciate you listening and hope you enjoy this episode. start this episode off with a fun story. A few years ago, we were at a sales meeting and I had a boss had us partner together and we were to solve a puzzle. And when we got to the conclusion of this puzzle, the answer to the puzzle spelled out a sentence stating that multitasking is a lie. He had a good point. You generally do a better job focusing on one task at a time. But if you've ever had a phone conversation with me, I'm just going to let you know, chances are I was probably organizing something, getting my steps in, or even driving because I'm, of course, using Bluetooth. But face-to-face, you're going to have my full attention. The truth is, I don't always like doing one thing at once. As I was typing up the notes for this podcast episode, I was also watching the CMA Awards because, you know, I can type and have my eyes somewhere else at the same time. I can even text using swipe while my eyes are somewhere else. It's a skill that I taught myself in high school. You'll even know that on the podcast, I'll start talking about one thing and then I'll divert into another thing. And yeah, that's part of my ADHD, but that's just a part of me 
wanting to get in another point about something that I'm passionate about. The reason I wanted to introduce that as a point of talking about multitasking is because we've all had to multitask at some time or another, yet we do know that tasks are often performed quicker if you hone in on one and push through it. Now, you do know that, knowing that honing in on one task and then pushing through that task that you're going to get it done faster. What I want to imagine is a Microsoft computer in front of you and having many tabs open. That's what multitasking can feel like, but that's also what being multi-passionate feels like. If you are a multi-passionate person, you have so many tabs open on your Microsoft computer or your smartphone all going at once. To put this into perspective, your smartphone tells you the time, it is navigating, it's tracking your location, especially if you're ordering on Uber Eats or getting an Uber or navigating, getting to some place you don't know where to go, anything like that, you're using navigation, you might be texting someone while you're still using that, you might even have, if you have a Android, you can have one window open for text messaging, another one calculator, and another one um, scrolling through Facebook or whatever you're texting that person about. So yeah, it can be an overload on your mind when you're multitasking or when you're multi-passionate. And I want to brush up on this episode using that to hone in on that talking point that I did last week and talk about the struggles that we have for being multi-passionate. Now, many people who are multi-passionate are also diagnosed or accused of being ADHD. One does not have to accompany the other, but just remembering that if you're multi-passionate, your mind works like a smartphone. You're a lot of things at once. Just like a smartphone can be a calculator, a computer, a watch, whatever it needs to be. You are that way. You want to be good at so many things. And that can put you at risk for burnout. And that can also have you find yourself being triggered at some points in your life. So when you're a multi-passionate person, the first thing you want is you really want whatever it is that you're doing to be important. You want that significance and you want to leave a mark on the world, but you don't want to just be good at something. You want to be excellent at something. You don't want to be a good worker. You don't want to just be a good mom. You don't want to also just be a good friend. When you're multi-passionate, you want to be extraordinary. You give 100% at everything you do. You want to make an impact with every effort. You get excited when you venture and you do something new. And you want to talk about it with someone as soon as you can squeeze it into a conversation. My theme that I have with this show, with the podcast, actually has evolved into talking to entrepreneurs and learning about their expertise. And something I've learned about these entrepreneurs is that most of them are also multi-passionate. They came from being successful in other avenues in their lives, only to realize that they wanted to hone in and they wanted to find purpose and they know they're on this planet to help others, whether they're a coach, whether they are a health expert, or they simply just love what they do and want to share what they do with the world because they know what they do is important and can change someone else's life. Now, I've told this story before, and I'm going to tell it again just to make a point. But when I first started podcasting, I started doing some podcasting courses, and every expert that I had learned from said that the important thing was is to niche down. To get a good audience, you have to niche down. 
that was actually my greatest struggle. I may not be an expert at the things I'm passionate about, but I'm passionate about many things, and I want to share the knowledge that I do have about those subjects. For example, I love clean beauty products. I interviewed a friend that was an expert in clean beauty products. Now, I know just enough about a clean beauty routine, but maybe not enough to do a podcast on it. I also love eating foods that are whole, healthy, and nurturing to my body, but sometimes my travel schedule makes it hard for me just to maintain that 24-7. I'm not a gossip, so a gossiping podcast for me would be a total fail. I think gossiping is boring. I'm very spiritual, but don't know if it's my calling to lead spiritually. I do listen to a lot of podcasts where people lead spiritually. I love kids. I don't have any of my own. And when I was going through all the things that I was passionate about and learning what I was going to podcast, I had to ask myself, what am I good at? When I asked myself what I was good at, the answer was, I'm really good at managing money. I love talking about money-saving hacks. I always find ways to make my money work for me. And that's what led to the podcast first launch, and it was called Budget Babe. The one problem with that was I don't always stick to a budget. I love luxury items, and I can splurge. And since I do make enough income, I do have the freedom to basically live where I want and also just treat myself every now and then. So in a way, I felt like a little bit of a hypocrite telling people how to budget when I'm the kind of person that doesn't necessarily have to cut corners at everything. I'm even dipping my toes into the latest money trend in cryptocurrency. I'm still learning about it. I'm still just lightly treading the waters with that. I'm not like that with anything investing, really. When it comes to the stock market, I kind of see that as gambling, so I'm only going to invest the amount that I'm willing to lose. But with those money trends being hot-button topics... I don't know that I really wanted to talk about on the podcast. Instead, I'll interview somebody that is an expert on that subject. And that's kind of why I brought in a lot of entrepreneurs. I love talking to entrepreneurs. I love hearing about how they started their business. But they can teach us a lot of things about a lot of different subjects. Well, last week, you heard my last episode. As a result, I did my first solo episode because I know people have asked me to do more episodes where it's just me behind the mic. And for the first time in two months, I do a solo episode, realized I rambled on for over an hour. Yes, I rambled on for things I'm passionate about over an hour. Hey, it happens. But I get to kind of break this down and just to bring it home. And it kind of came up that as someone who is multi-passionate, I had to give myself grace for that. I don't always do the job that I want to do. I don't always do as well as I want, but I have to give myself grace because I still show up and I still have a purpose and share things that I feel like people need to hear. I loved my main talking points, but as I listened, I started getting critical of myself and I repeatedly heard myself saying the word, so. That was my filler word. And this is, I hear myself saying so over and over again, When I balk at professional media journalists and even someone who's in one of the highest positions of journalism using the word um constantly, there's a public figure that is in one of the highest offices of journalism and she says um at least twice in every sentence, but that doesn't mean that what she is saying does not need to be heard. So 
that's just in a lesson to give myself grace and to give others grace as well, not to expect perfectionism. And when multi-passionate and perfectionism collides, it can lead to a crash that you just don't want to face. It can lead to burnout and even physical fatigue. Instead of letting you know, me be hard on myself and letting my imperfections deter me, I took that as a lesson to prepare the notes. So in front of me, I have a list of notes and points that I want to make, and I've even rehearsed this. I'm also recording this at night instead of in the morning at 5 a.m. before the coffee hits, because sometimes you can hear me hear my voice and tell that I just woke up in the morning. I'm still excited about what I have to say, but you hear my voice sometimes. I'm like, hey, did she just wake up? She sounds tired. But hey, that's just another lesson. I don't want to wear myself out with perfection, but while I need to manage my time lightly, manage my time lightly, not lightly, wisely, when I need to manage my time wisely, I have to make points and I have to make a list of what I want to do. So if you wear yourself out to perfection, while you're also feeling scarce in your time, you also might be a multi-passionate person. I'm going to take some notes from Jeff Foxworthy here because I have a list. I also say that if you have ever been a guest on my show, you're probably a multi-passionate person. If you listen to the show, you might just be a multi-passionate. Now, as we talk about being multi-passionate, and chances are you're listening, you're a multi-passionate person, let's talk about some of the triggers you face when you're being multi-passionate. If you're anything like me, you hate being put in a box, stereotyped, or labeled. That's really just about everyone. But you don't want to be known for just one thing. You don't want to be known for just your job title or who you're dating or something that you do, some kind of volunteering project that you do, or you don't want to be known just for your religion. You want to be seen as multifaceted. Something for me that I'll never forget, and this was maybe seven years ago, I went out on my friend's boat, and there was a lady that hung out with my group of friends. She barely knew me, but she knew a few things about me. When we were on the boat, the guy that was driving the boat came to a sudden halt, and I trip over my feet, and I say a word that rhymes with duck. Put two and two together on there. This lady, this drunken lady goes, oh, ha, 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 she's a preacher's daughter. And I just remembered that really bullying my blood. I am so proud of what my parents do and the ministry that they put in and the good message they put out into the world. But I do not like being labeled that way because there's so much more to me than my religion or the values that I grew up with. And while I don't mind that people know that I have that I'm a person of faith, I don't want to be judged for that because when that happened, when she declared that I was a pastor's daughter, the entire group started behaving differently around me. And I already knew that many of them were agnostic and they had felt a certain way about religion. And I remember it wasn't just like her making that jab at me. She put me in that box, but what I realized in that moment was these people didn't really see me as someone that they felt safe around. And it wasn't that I wasn't a person that they couldn't feel safe around, but just that stigma and just that label that that woman put on me changed the trajectory of how I fit into other people on the boat. It shouldn't have, but it did. And 
I know one of the main reasons this is triggering for anybody is you're being put in a box. And again, as I say it, your personality is no longer accepted. You're just seen for one facet of yourself. It's almost like saying, oh yeah, look at that blonde. Yeah, you may have blonde hair. But when you're being referred to as a blonde, that's almost a different stigma that people are putting on you. Blonde, we see in movies like Legally Blonde, which I love that movie, but when we hear the term blonde or hear blonde jokes, there's a stigma that's associated with being blonde that's not very flattering on people. It's almost also when somebody opposes your political views and is quick to call you out for your differences, oh, that Republican or oh, that Democrat, you know that that person is intentionally establishing a separation from you when all you want to do is feel connected. I even see this with sports teams here in the South. I had a friend from Philadelphia ask me one time, she said, why do Southerners get mad for not liking the same teams or not liking an SEC team? And my answer always is this. It's like if somebody you know, wants to look washed out in this pale shade of orange, that hideous puke inside of a pumpkin orange, they know that if you do the same, they're going to feel better about themselves. That's that's kind of a joke. I'm kidding. But if you're a UT fan, please don't get mad at me. I remember growing up not being a UT fan. I just, I, I had no reason to like UT. My dad went to Duke and I was raised in Virginia. So there was, there were no ties to UT but people were offended that I was not a UT fan. Well, there's this huge game every year. It's not the biggest SEC game, but if you live in Tennessee, it is the biggest SEC game. It's when Tennessee plays Florida. We had a guy, Steve Spurrier, actually, if you're into college football, he grew up in Johnson City. So everybody is just so geared up against the UT Florida game because they're mad at Steve Spurrier for choosing Florida over UT. I picked up on this as a kid, and I didn't want to be like everybody else, so I started cheering for Florida. You would be amazed at how many people, and I haven't watched a college football game in over five years, but how many people still resent me because I chose to cheer for Florida. Now, when it all comes down to it, I am the biggest East Tennessee State University Buccaneers fan that I know. I went to ETSU and remember looking up into the stands And seeing my classmates wearing UT shirts at the ETSU and UT game, there are people that never went to an ETSU sporting event and did not go to one single basketball game the whole time they were in school there, yet they would show up relentlessly for the University of Tennessee. I never understood it. And... The whole reasoning is, well, you have to like an SEC team. Now, I do want to point out that I went to my first football game for the first time in years that I had to go to because it was ETSU and Vandy. I was sitting with my friends who were Vandy fans, and yeah, I took some heat because I was cheering for my alma mater, and nobody wanted to stay at that football game except for me. Now, I did have one friend, Alika. She ended up staying with me, sitting with me the whole time. Bless her soul. She goes to Vanderbilt, so she is you know, a little resentful of me for cheering for ETSU, but she had fun at the game too. Anyways, I had to watch ETSU just seal the victory against Vanderbilt. Now, probably won't. I'm probably going to just continue talking about this because it's fun. But yeah, I, I'm very passionate about my alma mater and not liking the University of Tennessee. And for some reason, something as trivial as sports seems to trigger people 
I've even had to get between my, you know, one of my best friends because she wanted to smack talk a UT fan at a bar over UT in Florida. I mean, it's just, there's so much anger that people have in them just for one difference that they have. And when it comes down to it, it's just not worth it. It's not worth separating yourself from people because they have a different religion, a political opinion, or cheer for a different sports team. What you need to do is see someone pass those opinions. Something that I really, that really hit home with me when I read Sisters First by Jenna and Barbara Bush is they talked about being friends while they were working on their dad's campaign, how some of their best friends were Democrats. And they even saw one of their best friends protesting against their dad. He put the sign down when he was protesting, he put the sign down and waved at them because they, at the end of the day, were friends behind every different political opinion, different religion, different lifestyle, whatever it is you're judging somebody for, Behind every difference is a human being. Remember that. And as someone who's multi-passionate, who has a lot of lot of things that I love to talk about, a lot of things that are going on, sometimes it really gets to where I don't feel fully seen, which is going to lead to my next point of a symptom of being multi-passionate. And that is feeling like people just don't get you. I have a lot of friends who don't listen to podcasts. But when someone mentions a podcast, this happened at game night a couple weeks ago. Somebody said something about motivational speakers and podcasts. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Ella, Ella, Ella has a podcast. You have to listen to her podcast. She's a motivational speaker. And that just lit me up. And one of my friends says, you know what? I don't listen to podcasts, but I know how you are, and I know you do a great job of it. And that made my day. They know that I'm passionate about that. Then... I'll meet people just at networking events or just through friends. And the question always comes up. It's like, what do you do? And that's, and that's a question people use to size people up is what they do for a living. And one thing I've been doing is I talk about my podcast because I want to network with other entrepreneurs that might want to be on the show. I want to, you know, just expand my listening community. It's my passion. That's the main reason I want to talk about it is because I'm passionate about it. I love doing this. My father was a radio DJ when he was younger, so he had a love for music and broadcaster. That's a huge motivator for me. I feel like this podcast is a huge part of who I've become. And Whenever I'm talking about this podcast or being a cat mom or talking about how much I love working out, my baby blog, how I love teaching dance, a lot of times it comes down to, or I get interrupted, they look at me like, well, do you have a real job? What's your real job? I get that question. And to be fair, I love my corporate job too and I've been very successful at it. But I feel like sometimes I'm being reduced to that title of my corporate job. I think sometimes people know what you do for a living, or if they know that if you're a mother or if you've got something else about yourself, if you're married to a lawyer, if you're a politician's wife, I hear, I hear things like this all the time. People like to narrow you down to one thing they know about you. And a lot of times that is your, your title at work. And that's what a lot of people work for. People go to school, graduate, climb the ladder, go and dedicate their entire lives and free time to just to a certain title that at the end of the day, they may not be very passionate about. And that's something I don't want to do. I don't want to chase 
goals that I'm just not, that are not lighting me up the way that this podcast lights me up. So when I get interrupted, people are like, no, what do you do? Is is your podcast your full-time job? No, it's not my full-time job, but it's my passion. It's almost like I get derailed when I'm talking about something I'm passionate about, when people want to know, you know, well, what's your real job or what, yeah, what do you do in the real world? It's almost like it's pulling down the whole energy around the conversation. And I think sometimes with women especially, we get defined by things that shouldn't really define us. We get defined by relationship status or if we have kids. Uh, Women also get defined by job titles, but when we look at what women are to other people other than themselves, that they're a good wife, good mom, good salesperson, good whatever, we're looking at who they are to other people instead of who they are individually. And that can sometimes just make us feel really disconnected from the world. Another example is I'm very tech savvy. I worked in technology for seven years. I can pick up any smartphone, get in front of any computer. I can figure out any software. I'm just just a connoisseur in all this. And even learning how to write code. And sometimes when people ask a question about a smartphone app or software or something like that, they'll automatically ask the guy, not me. And that just makes me feel overseen because it may be a question that I know the answer to or even about a historical event or something that's going on in the world about sports, something that people assume men know more about. I feel overseen if somebody is going to ask a guy and not me. And I think other women have experienced that too. And I mean, actually, I'm sure that other women have experienced that as well. But again, going back to this, We want to be seen for who we are, and we want to be understood. We want to be known and loved for who we really are, not just one facet of ourselves. And sometimes that just feels like we're disconnected. People, quote-unquote, just don't get us. And where we are more known for who we are to others and not for who we love, we want to be known for what we bring to the table, so that can just, and that can just, we find ourselves often derailed with that. It's, it's another stereotype. I'll just go into this. Like a lot of people assume that I watched The Bachelor and would be surprised to know that I tried to watch one up full episode and I just couldn't get through it. But I tell them what my favorite show is and I'm like, I like Big Bang Theory. Oh, what do you like about Big Bang Theory? I point out that I'm actually a nerd myself. But no, you're not. You're not a nerd. No, I, I'm totally a nerd. Uh, and I, t- I was having this conversation with the other day. I was like, actually, I am a nerd. I love science fiction. I'm a technology geek. I take classes just for fun. And I don't, not trying to brag, but I don't think I've ever been on a losing trivia team. In fact, I, I cannot tell you any time that a team that I've been on has lost a trivia. My teammates were just as smart as I was. But my point is, I'm a nerd. And it's dawned on me that a lot of people don't know that I'm a nerd. And it's like, you know, how did they not know that about me? Well, they don't spend as much time with me as I spend with myself. So I have to remember sometimes that even though I have like nerd tendencies and people don't see that in me, it's not that they don't really get me or they're just narrowing me down to size or just stereotyping me. They just don't know. And that's okay. It's... Something an English teacher had taught me when I was in high school is that most people are more worried about what others think of them to think anything of you. And I remember that felt very freeing 
And I normally don't really obsess what other people think of me, but I want to feel connected. And to feel connected, I have to feel like I belong. I have to feel received by that person and accepted. And if people don't fully know me or fully get me, I don't feel fully accepted. So it's just a work in progress. But what I try to do is to be that person that notices something about someone that a lot of people don't know something that they're passionate about or remember something about them, who their favorite athlete is, what their favorite talk show is and why, what they like to bench watch, any pastimes they have that they don't always talk about. So I just try to bring that out in other people. A lot of other people bring that out in me. And something that I found with podcasting is, is I found a community of people, maybe with different interests in me. I've talked to a lot of other podcasters. A lot of other podcasters are doing paranormal investigations, which is something I know very little about. I'm friends with podcasters who like to talk about true crime. I have friends with podcasters who talk about historical events. I'm friends with podcasters that talk about beauty. But we all have one thing in common. We all want to share our passions with the world. So the reason I share that is if you feel disconnected, if you're a multi-passionate person that does not feel fully seen and heard, you have to remember that your community is out there. Just keep putting out your passions into the world. If you're passionate about teaching, if you're passionate about working out, if you want to do a YouTube channel or a TikTok, keep putting your work out into the world and you will find that community. You're going to attract haters as well. Anybody that's a prominent public figure has haters. You're going to have them, but guess what? Your haters are fans as well. It's engagement, baby. Take it. Another symptom of being multi-passionate is when you have a lot of things that you love to do. You love to dance. You love to podcast. You love to cook. You like to share your recipes with the world. You love your job. You love your church. You love hanging out with your friends. You're going to feel like time is limited, and time really is limited. That is the truth. So one thing to manage that, one way to overcome that is go ahead and make a list of the things that you want to do. I'm an Enneagram 3 with a wing of 4, so my list constantly grows. I 3, I want to achieve a lot of things. 4, I embrace my individuality. And again, I feel like a Microsoft computer about to crash because I have so many windows open, so many different things that I want to do. But I have a schedule. I hold myself accountable. I'm going to spend this much time writing. I'm going to spend this much time broadcasting. I'm going to take this many classes, this many courses this week. I'm going to work out, make sure I get up early in the morning so I can get on the treadmill. I'm going to sign up for this class next week, take a dance class. I'm going to master this yoga pose. I'm going to go on a hike. Make sure I'm putting the things that I want to do almost as a task of the things that I need to do, and then making it fun. So if I need to work out, maybe I'll grab a friend and go on a hike with them. If I need to do some writing, I'll go sit somewhere cool on the balcony with a great view and do my writing from there. Or just recently, I just started, had some ideas come up in my head while I was watching the CMT Awards, sitting in this hotel room. I grab the computer and I start typing in some notes. I'm broadcasting from here right inside a hotel room using just my MacBook and me. Don't have the professional mic out. Don't have the recording equipment. I'm just going to edit it and bring up the sound because 
I knew that I really wanted to put this message out there so much that, you know what, it doesn't have to sound perfect. It's more about the content than anything else. And then, so that leads to another symptom of multi-passionate is perfectionism. And when you are a perfectionist and multi-passionate as well, those tabs that are open, it's going to be lead to a major crash. You have to, when you're multi-passionate and you have a lot of things that you want to do, a lot of goals you want to achieve, you have to ditch perfectionism because perfectionism can manifest into procrastination. Perfectionism can manifest into being self-critical and being self-critical can manifest into holding you back and getting in your head and telling you that you shouldn't be doing the thing that you want to do. So that is another symptom of multi-passionate. And now that I've listed them, kind of gone through and read through what the symptoms are, I'm going to go ahead and list out these symptoms just to make you aware. So if you're a multi-passionate person, be aware of these four ways that being multi-passionate can manifest. It's when you hate labels, when you feel misunderstood, when you're at risk for being burned out, and you get slowed down by perfectionism. So I'm going to read it again. You hate labels. You feel misunderstood. You're at risk for burnout, and you get slowed down by perfectionism. Now that you're aware of these, it's time to really focus on what you want to do. You need to take time to celebrate your wins. You need to know that when you feel negative energy from other people or when you feel misunderstood, it really doesn't matter. What you want to put out into the world matters more. You need to know that you're going to mess up, but guess what? What you're putting out there is more important than your mess ups. Again, even the brightest people mess up. The most respected people in media use filler words. I get really hard on myself for using filler words for having pauses or mispronouncing something. The highest position in media, the I'm not going to say who it is, but there is somebody that is in a very prestigious role and she uses um twice in every sentence. It's okay to mess up. There's going to be people that criticize you. You don't need to be one of them. You just need to do what you need to do, what you're motivated to do. You need to keep putting your purpose out there and know that perfectionism is only going to slow you down. So all in all, your passions are a part of a greater purpose. And if you're multi-passionate, that is your truth. All of your passions are your truth. And while multitasking, and I wanted to talk about that because sometimes people think multi-passionate is a lie, but they say multitasking is a lie. And multitasking can be a lie, but the greatest lie of them all is perfectionism. Just remember that. So now that I have talked about being multi-passionate and honed in on that aspect, I want to hear what you are multi-passionate about. So find me on Instagram. My Instagram is Eleconomic, E-L-L-A-C-O-N-O-M-I-C, or you can email me at eleconomic at gmail.com and tell me the top three things that you're passionate about and how you're going to incorporate them and get something done with them by the end of the week. I really want to hear about that. So just so I'm in on the accountability portion, I'm going to go first. My first is I recorded my second solo episode in a row. And to be honest, it is much easier to interview an entrepreneur and talk with them what they're passionate about. It's not always easy. 
It's fun, but it's not always easy for me to sit behind the computer and broadcast and ramble on by myself about the things that I want to get across. While I do feel passionate about it, while I'm excited to do it, I it's not always easy. It's, you know, I'm having to motivate myself to show up. So I did it, and this is twice in a row, and I'm hoping I can listen to this and not be super critical of myself for rambling, for detouring on the subject or using filler words. I'm hoping that I listen to this and say, yeah, you did this. You showed up. You put that message out there. You talked about being multi-passionate. You're establishing your, your true niche if you have to niche down at all. My other thing is I signed up to do a tap dancing class next week. I got the shoes and everything, and I finally found a, I took tap dancing as a child, but I really want to revisit tap dancing, so I'm taking an adult tap dancing class next week. Another passion is learning a different form of dance. And my other goal is to put in two hours of my personal courses and learning this week. So I'm going to put at least two hours of that. So podcast, dancing, learning. Those are my three passions. Thank you all again for listening, for spending some time with me. If you listened to the entire episode last week, the whole hour, Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for spending that much time with me. Again, I did not even realize that I rambled on for an hour, but I had a lot of things I want to talk about, and this episode is honing in on the multi-passionate piece. Also, let me know, do you like me interviewing entrepreneurs, or, or would you want me to sprinkle in some more episodes of just me behind the mic? Let me know what you think, and I look forward to hearing from all of you and staying connected. Hi, it's Ella, the host of For Better Self and Net Worth Podcast. I wanted to first of all thank you for listening and supporting an independent podcast. I'm an aspiring motivational speaker and marketer who wanted to give a platform to other risk takers, empire builders, and out of the box lifers in the world. By listening, you are showing support for everyday folks like you and myself, pursuing the lives they've always wanted by ditching societal norms and dedicating time to others. To show more support, feel free to leave a review on iTunes and subscribe on Spotify. You can also find the show on iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcast, and many other independent platforms. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you are feeling inspired.